You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry at Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a free weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm the senior pastor and elder for Believers Baptist Church, and one of the elders from the church, Philip Castleton, is with me today. And we want to thank you all for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. And immediately... We recognize how much we miss Tyler. He is the normal host for the first season of the Asking for a Friend podcast, and this is the fourth recording for 2021, second season, and you can tell already I'm a little bit jittery and um, not as smooth as Tyler on the introduction. Well, that's okay. We could have a freakly contest if we want. <laughs> uh, or a free weekly one, whatever it was you said. Yeah, but, right. Uh, no, uh, it's all good, brother. Like uh, I said, you know, people, uh, they, if they want to listen, they'll listen. And they, if, if they want to listen to us, they're going to get past uh, stammering, <laughs> stammering and stuttering and, and uh, uh, misuse of words. Uh, we, uh, uh, neither one of us are, uh, are known for our uh, ability to... Uh, uh, pronounce words correctly or, or right. uh, for our be completely articulate oratory skill <laughs> right <laughs> well um as i said it is the second season for the podcast and this is the fourth recording it's um the last podcast that will be played for january of 2021 and the question that is before us philip is a question i think that is popular in our culture something that um, relates to a lot of um, what um, people think about and read about, uh, even uh, discussion groups about angels. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the question is, does every Christian have a guardian angel? And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18 to use that as the text to launch our discussion. Matthew chapter 18, and beginning here in verse 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fashioned around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptation to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes." And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life without one eye than two eyes to be thrown with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? 
If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And I know that's a long reading, 14 verses of Matthew chapter 18, but you probably recognized the phrase in the reading about verse 10, the angels always seeing the face of my Father who is in heaven. And so let's put it in context. And then, Philip, I know you've got some thoughts and that can help us to answer this question. Do individual Christians have guardian angels? So the context of Matthew 18 is the disciples coming to Jesus and asking the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so Jesus is going to bring a object lesson who is a child into the discussion and so he brings a child into the midst of their teaching moment and he Jesus says to the disciples unless you turn that is repent and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven so it's become like children and so the first thing i think that we have to establish from the text before we understand if we have guardian angels or not as individual believers, is that the little ones that are referred to later in the conversation are true believers. Yes. And they're not necessarily, this is not necessarily a text that is talking about children. Yeah. You know, the context has to inform our interpretation, right? Right. So the context would tell us that, uh, that um, though the, their belief <clears throat> though their attitude, though their faith, their trust is like that of a child. They themselves, uh, the, the little ones in the text, aren't little children, but uh, those of, of, of belief and faith and trust like children who, who trust in, in Christ. Right. So then these little ones are followers. They're true followers or disciples of Christ. And so there's some warning here. Verse 5, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones, these followers of mine, these disciples who believe in me to sin, it's better for him to be thrown into the depths of the sea. And then we read that middle text, verses 7 through 9, about temptation, that is that one who would lead one of these little ones to stray, it would be better for them to... uh, um, not literally, but to literally think how serious their sin is, um, equal to cutting off your hands or gouging out your eyes. Yeah, the point uh, being that um, if, you know, it says um, sin has to, I mean, temptation has to come, right? Right. It, temptation will come, it has to come. But it says woe to her, there's a, a curse being pronounced on those who would cause or would seek to cause um, one of uh, God's children to fall into sin. He's saying, you don't need to be the person who brings temptation, who brings uh, behaviors, who elicits God's children to act in a way that is is um, not becoming of a child of God, right? And you should act so decisively about this sin that if it was your hand, you'd cut it off. Or if it were I, you'd pluck it out. Because if you don't act decisively about sin, you're, you're, you're ushering yourself right into hell. 
Right. So what does this say about the false teachers, uh, not only in first century, but what does it say about false teachers in our own day? Right. But that's another subject. So verse 10, then, of our text in Matthew 18 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Right. So that verse has been used to give reason or thought or um, understanding about every individual believer having and guardian angel. This, this would be one of the texts. There are other texts, but this is the text that every individual believer that is used to solidify the idea that every individual believer has an, a guardian angel. Right. So from the text, Philip, what can we take that gives us some thought that the opposite is true here. Well, let me put my cards on the table. I don't believe that <clears throat> every believer has a guardian angel. And I think that um, I think that's fairly clear from the text. First of all, if we look at verse 10, it says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. First of all, what's really being articulated here isn't um, a, 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 the doctrine of angels necessarily, but a warning to those who would elicit sin in a believer that God's judgment will come. And and God's judgment, you know, it says that in the last day, he'll send out his angels to gather up mm-hmm. the wheat and the tares, right? Mm-hmm. To bundle the unbelievers into bundles and cast them into the fire. And really what he's saying here is, be aware, God's judgment is at hand. Do not elicit, do not try to drag God's children into sinful behaviors. Know that God is watching and that he is active, right? Right. And so he uses the picture of angels doing his bidding here as a warning. That's really what's being communicated in the text before um, some kind of doctrine about angels. If we want to know who angels are and what they do, we we might be better served to go other places, one of which would be in Hebrews, which when... Um, which is an apologetic for for Jesus Christ being better than, right, angels and Moses and Abraham and all this stuff. But the point that he makes in the very beginning part of Hebrews is that that Jesus is better than angels. But he actually tells us something about angels in Hebrews 1.14. And he says that they, are they not ministering spirits? And here's here's something we can know for sure about what angels are and what they do. Sent out to serve Sent out, by the way, that's going to be key because our text is going to make the same point. They're not actually serving. They're not actually hovering over an individual, watching their behavior and, 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 and guarding them from a car wreck or doing this and that and the other. But sent out. So the, the, the assumption, according to the text, is that they're standing uh, in, in the presence of, of God, right? Right. Okay. Sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So are they ministering spirits, aren't they? Ministering spirits who um, God sends out to serve those who are of, of who are in Christ, who have faith, who are, it says, will inherit salvation. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, and, and our text even in Matthew 18 is going to be clear about that same thing. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven, their angel always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. The assumption then is that God will send them out to do his bidding and to, to rescue them, or maybe not to rescue them, maybe to usher the person who would elicit them into sin off into judgment. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't tell us exactly. Because mm-hmm. the warning is really... 
don't don't uh, don't be the person by which temptation comes to one of my little ones. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the warning mm-hmm. throughout the text? Mm-hmm. So we we read this and assume that the angel's standing in protection, but it doesn't actually say that. Right. It could be the assumption that we should make from the text is um, you better be careful. Right, because the angels that is watching the face of God may be sent out to usher you off into judgment. Right. So, so rather, anyway, s- to continue on real quick, it says, uh, keep in mind that th- their faces are turned to the God, not you. The right. person they're watching uh, for for action is God. They're not hovering over watching you, you know, keeping you from, you know, uh, stepping on a thorn or, you know, your hand from going in the fire or, you know, whatever. We, we hear people and I think contemporary culture and movies and things like that inform our angelology yes. <laughs> uh, more than it should, right? But the scripture, according to them, it doesn't say anything here that about uh, them protecting us in that sense. And I do believe they do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying, though, is you can't inform uh, you're thinking from this text in that manner because the Bible says here they're actually facing God waiting for a command to go and do. Mm-hmm. Do what? Rescue? Maybe. Right. Carry off into judgment? Maybe. Right. We're not sure. But it, they're, they're waiting on that. And then it says these, um, it, or it says their angels. Well, again, if we go back and we let Hebrews inform us, then we recognize that here's a, a group of angels standing around hovering, whatever they do, uh, in the presence of God, they are sent out from God, from his presence, to minister to those inheriting the saints. So the the, the there in our text, their angels, is a corporate there. Right. Angels were created to serve, not only to worship God, we see that in Isaiah 6 and, and Revelation, but also to serve those ultimately who are going to inherit eternal life. So it's a corporate there, not an individual there. Right. So it's a plural, a plural. Yes. And it's not their angel as in this individual has an angel watching over him or her, but it is plural in that all believers have angels that are sent out as ministering spirits to be involved in the routines and the, 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 the daily activities of the believer. That that doesn't mean um, that... Um, uh, the the angel is readily available immediately for us in every circumstance, do you think? No, Daniel, uh, we actually see in Daniel that we have an angel hindered at some point from showing up, right? right. So um, obviously in God's providence, um, we're not, uh, you know, it's not like, oh man, you know, he had a real hard time with that one. But so we see that... Um, in in Daniel, uh, where it took a while for an angel to show up, and like I said, in God's providence, but the angel wasn't there hovering over him, right? Right. Um, right. Uh, but we do know that um, um, they're there when they need to be. I mean, uh, you know, he was thrown in a lion's den, and if they had been a couple minutes late, those angels, um, you know, uh, Daniel, it might have been a different story we tell about Daniel, <laughs> right, right? Right. But they weren't. Yeah. Uh, in God's providence, they're sent out to serve. Right. And I think that there are uh, scriptural text that we could go to that give us uh, um, that very reality that um, the angels are active, um, and particularly as we see it in the Old Testament, uh, on behalf of God's people. For example, in Genesis chapter 28, 12, Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. 
or Judges 13.3, the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you should conceive and bear a son. That's really a message that's being sent by the angel, but it's on behalf of a woman who is barren, Samson's mother in the context. Um, Psalm 34.7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And then we've got a New Testament example of, um, remember when Peter was released from prison in Acts chapter 12? Yeah. And uh, he, when he came to the door of the house where the Christians were gathered, um, they thought it was his angel. Yeah. So even in that immediate kind of context in the first century, there was thought that they had guardian or individual angels that are involved um, in them, with them rather, uh, as individuals. Yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, like I said, uh, a lot of things involve our, our understanding of this more than Scripture does, right? I mean, we even um, sometimes, for example, uh, it's really common when you see... Um, and you know what the sad part is? is um, we earlier in another podcast were making the distinction that unbelievers and believers often think too much alike about these things. Yeah. But the same can be said here about angels. Yes. Because sometimes, especially in the course of the loss of a loved one, you'll see believers and unbelievers, even though they might call themselves something different, you'll see them both using language like, um, you know, now he's an angel in heaven. Right. Right. Well... That's a misunderstanding. Humans don't become angels. Right. There is a, these are two distinct creatures, angels and humans. There is no redemption for angels. Right. Um, and um, and nowhere in Scripture do we have any kind of um, articulation of a transformation from one creature to the other. That at death um, we become angels. No, angels were created. As the well, Hebrews would tell us, uh, to be ministering spirits for those who would inherit eternal life. Right. Um, uh, it's a wonderful life. Uh, remember yes. Clarence, yes. right? Uh, we see that kind of thing, and that informs our thinking. You know, so every time a bell rings, you know, an angel gets its wings. That you know, uh, and so we think of uh, our guardian angel like Clarence, a bumbling little mm-hmm. guy who has really good intentions, but right. uh, you know, he's really. Um, He's really self-motivated because he really wants to get his wings. Um, well, if we were going to, uh, you know, uh, give this some scriptural authority, uh, Clarence would be standing, uh, gazing at the face of God, waiting to be sent out from the throne of heaven to to serve people, right. and his only goal would be to please and honor uh, the Lord who created him and whom he serves. But Clarence was self-motivated. Clarence wanted his wings. Right. You know, and um, so we are oftentimes informed in ways that aren't necessarily helpful. Right. Once again, Hollywood informs our theology. Yes. <laughs> and that doesn't necessarily mean a good thing. Uh, I did, however, uh, which, by the way, I, I do like that movie. It's a wonderful life. It's yeah. a fun movie. Um during the holiday, uh, Stacy and I watched a uh, the movie um, "The Preacher's Wife," which was which was a uh, really um, a take off of "It's a Wonderful Life." It was a, again another angel story. He was coming down, and um, he was sent by God, but he had a certain uh, assignment to accomplish. And um, it was a clean, good story, and you know it had a good. 
ending and all those things that Hollywood does for us, you know. But I do think that those kinds of things inform our theology as Christians today, and yeah. and we don't do a good job in the church of communicating what the Bible says about Well, and unfortunately, we come to church, and, and sometimes, though we might not do it out loud, we argue with what the Bible says because it doesn't match with what we've learned through Hollywood. Right. So it's like the whole um, 30 minutes in heaven thing, right? Right. I mean, you know, we just insist it must be true that people are going and visiting heaven and coming back because we keep getting inundated with stories. Instead of saying, no, the scripture makes this clear. And that means that everybody else is a liar on this topic, right? (laughs) Right. If it disagrees with scripture, they're lying, right? right? But instead, we let those kind of things inform us. And then we come to scripture, and no matter what scripture says or doesn't say about a particular thing, we just let Hollywood or or books or romantic uh, uh, notions, uh, you know, serve us in those ways. And actually, they don't serve us well. Right. So to summarize, we are saying that we don't necessarily believe in individual guardian angels, but we do believe that angels do act and work on behalf of God's people. Yes. Sometimes guarding them. Yes. Right? Uh, undoubtedly, sometimes yeah. guarding them and um, and protecting them and doing those things. Sometimes um, um, uh, working out um, acts of devastation and destruction. Right. Um, right. Right. We have uh, pictures of that too. An angel, you know, killing how many people? 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So um, we might um, not know it's an angel in our own uh, context, but there, I believe that God still uses angels and things like that. Sometimes there might be things that go on that we have no clue that God is using an angel to, to work out, but, but undoubtedly he does. Right. Okay. And so, he, and he, by the way, to go along with that thought is Hebrews, remember, says that we might be entertaining angels unaware. Yeah, there might be yeah. an opportunity where you have actually had interaction with an angel and did not know. Right. And so I believe all of those things are true. Um, if the Bible says it, why wouldn't we believe it to be um, a reality? Uh, so, you know, we should. But what, like I said, we can't read into Scripture what's not there. And if we go to 1810, this text, where most people get their their understanding, first of all, the text doesn't even say that that the angel would uh, remove the danger right. from the believer. Right. It doesn't say that. Right. The assumption in the text, at least from my perspective, as I read it, because what it is is a warning. This is a warning text, right? right. Do not be the one. Right. Don't do it. Woe to you. Woe to you, it says in, in verse 7. Woe to the world for temptation to sin. It's necessary that temptation come, but woe to the one by whom it comes. Right? It's a warning. So then you get to verse 10, and all of a sudden we assume that, uh, that, um, uh, that the angel uh, rescued the person from the temptation. But that's not what it says. So we could just as easily assume that the warning here is that the angel will come and whisk away the person. <laughs> into judgment. Right. That's just as uh, a valid an interpretation from this text. So, in fact, I think probably a better one in the context. So, um, so we can't, we have to let the scripture say what it says. Right. We can't read, read back into the scripture right. our idea. Yeah. Let the context speak and then, um, and be, and be okay with the limits of our knowledge about certain things. Right. Exactly. Certain things we don't know about angels. Because God has seen fit not to tell us, and that's okay. Right. 
and it's necessary and certainly his prerogative as sovereign to not reveal everything that our curiosity demands to be satisfied. Yeah, with. and if there's gaps, that's okay. Right. But but we can't let Hollywood or our own romantic notions fill those gaps. Right. Yeah. Um, so I have one angel story. Okay. All right. So this would have been in mid to late. This isn't Angels in the Outfield or anything like that, is it? No, no, no. Oh, okay. That was no. another movie. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good movie. <laughs> but... Um, this is in the mid-80s to, to late-80s. I'm driving on a lonely stretch of road to Oklahoma City, Highway 75. And um, actually, yes, it was Highway 75. And we um, were um, going forward Christmas holiday. And it was cold. And we're trying to arrive, you know, Christmas Eve. And... Um, my car starts smoking, and I stop and open the hood, and there's a little hose that's probably three inches or less long that goes from my radiator to the engine block to keep it um, cool, you know, and um, that is split, and water's antifreeze spraying out everywhere. Um, I'm not anywhere near a town. I'm not in a town. And so I'm looking at this, and this car stops behind me. It's a man in a van. And he gets out, and he comes, and he looks at it. And we may have said a few words. I don't remember any conversation with him. But he goes back to his van. He pulls out a hose, cuts it with a knife, comes back with a screwdriver, takes the clamps off. It's the same size hose. He fits it perfectly to the radiator to the engine and puts it, tightens it all down. And I, I have turned away, uh, but um, he uh, asked me, do you want me to take you to get some antifreeze because I don't have anything in it now. So um, we get in the vehicle and we go to um, the nearest town. We come all the way back out. We fill it up. And this is where I turned away. I turned away, and I don't know for what reason I turned away, but I turned away, and he's gone. The van is gone. Yeah. I didn't even see. I didn't even see him. He said nothing. He he just got in his van and drove away. Huh. I don't know if that was an angel, but it sure felt like it at the time. It, it might have been. And like I said, I I, I don't think you can presume, but uh, you, right. you know, it's one of those things we always have to ask yourself, right? Right. So it's, I actually have a similar story I'll share off there, but yeah, okay, something similar to that. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up the podcast then by um, keeping people in confusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to clarify anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm not saying that that was an angel, but I'm yeah. not saying it wasn't an angel. No, that's right, right. right. But um, we again uh, pray, as always, that this. Uh, discussion will be helpful to you. May it be a means of spiritual growth for your understanding in spiritual life. 